the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast again today. So glad to have you on, and um, I'm excited about this episode. I'm glad you're logged in for it. Um, This, as you saw from the title, is going to be a great episode and one that needs to be heard by many, many Christians. (laughs) No question. Many, many Christians need to hear this. Today, we're dealing with seven biblical principles that will make you very wealthy. Seven biblical principles that will make you very wealthy. And I, and I do mean that. Um, I believe, as you know, if you followed this podcast for any period of time, if you follow my ministry for any period of time, you'll know that I believe, as the Bible teaches, that it is God's desire, without question, that believers be blessed financially, that they be abundantly blessed, that they walk in overflow. Um, to go further, that they have more than enough. You know, I'm, I believe and I preach this, that God has no desire, zero desire to just meet your needs. But when you watch God or Christ operate in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, you know what you see? God always giving more than enough to his servants that were pleasing him, obeying his word, obeying his instructions, he always brought them into more than enough. And if you study, you know, for example, Deuteronomy chapter 28, that's what you're going to find. You're going to find the promises for obedience are overflow. They're more than enough. And that's still God's desire today. I mean, if it was his desire in the Old Testament, how much more is it his desire today to see his children walk in the overflow blessed in every area of life. So this will be a great episode for you guys to share. I want you to take a minute and uh, do me a favor and share it on your social media. I really appreciate when you guys do that. And if you saw the ad that I put out, uh, whether on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, uh, if you don't mind sharing it, it means a lot to me. And we need people to hear this because just think about this. Just think about the fact that If we're going to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish before Jesus comes back to reap this end time harvest of souls, how are we going to get it done if the body of Christ is filled with people who are so uh, poor that are struggling financially to the point where they not only can they not be a blessing to the kingdom, they can't even be a blessing to their own family. And that's not God's desire. God wants you to be a blessing to this generation. So I wanted you to take a minute and share this because this is something people need to hear. You know, if you've heard me talk, (laughs) I just remember which episode I told this story. I was preaching somewhere and I had stopped over to Walmart, which I love Walmart. I'm sorry, but I do. It's one of, especially when you, you know, travel like I do and you're like in the middle of the, in the middle of nowhere, most times, you know, like many places I go to preach are not in the city or, you know, whatever. Most of them aren't even close to the city. So, you know, one of the only places that I can hang out (laughs) after hours is Walmart. And um, I'm not ashamed of it. Love me some Walmart. God bless Sam Walton. Um, But I was in Walmart, and as I do sometimes, because there's no Barnes & Noble anywhere close to where I'm staying, I, I was in the book section, the books and magazine section of 
Walmart and I was in the inspirational slash religious books and I was picking up a few and I picked up one from one from a minister that's very well known and I didn't even realize there was somebody that I knew who was in there and they walked up behind me. They were from the place I was ministering and they said, oh, look at this, like referencing the book that I was holding. Look at this. He, he looked at me like with a mocking attitude. He's like, this is probably one of those name it and claim it books like thinking that I was also critical of the book. I was actually interested in what the book had to say. And he goes, oh, looks like it's one of those name it and claim it books. And I turned around just with a very gentle rebuke, <laughs> as many people need nowadays. And I said, you do realize, you know, that we're Pentecostal, that we believe in naming it and claiming it. We believe we can have what we say. That's what Jesus taught the disciples in Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 24. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I never thought of it that way. So, you know, there's many believers across the body of Christ that think like this, you know, that this this way of believing, this faith that we have, that we can actually see God perform miracles, not just spiritually, but also in the natural. Miracles of provision is just over the top, that they don't they don't believe in it. They need to hear this kind of teaching. Um, and so I know that you're that you're those of you listening to this podcast, that's not you or else you wouldn't be listening. You're, you're those that believe that are walking in this. And so I'm, I know that this is going to help you today. And I did, by the way, let me just say right off the bat, this, uh, this episode that I'm doing on, on these seven biblical principles that will make you very wealthy. Um, I'm not covering in this episode tithing and I'm not covering giving and I'm not covering blessing the poor, uh, you know, any of that. That's that's not what this I've done podcasts on that. In fact, last week I did uh, an episode on uh, five things that will cancel your harvest, five giving mistakes that will cancel your harvest. But that's not what this episode is about. I'm not going to be talking about tithing. So if you thought if you saw the title and thought, oh, biblical principles uh, that will bring you into the blessing or wealthy and you're thinking giving and tithing i've covered that and by the way that's like that's like basic stuff you know that that should be a no-brainer for any person who's a member of the kingdom of god we know this we know tithing's for us we know giving by faith is for us blessing the poor is for us so i'm not taking time to deal with those today these will be seven um biblical principles that will be different than what you normally hear uh, regarding, you know, just give, 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 tithe, 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 tithe. Yes, we should be doing that faithfully and, you know, in a place that's, you know, that means something to us. I'm not discounting those things. Hear me when I say those things must be done if you're going to be blessed. You can't do the seven things I'm going to teach today and then refuse to tithe and give and expect to be blessed. It won't work. So I just want to put that little disclaimer in there. Even though I'm not mentioning tithing and offerings and blessing the poor, those things must be done. They must be done. And I might touch on it briefly on one of these points, but I wanted you to hear God's side of it, what he is saying to his people about it. But um, take a minute and share it, and and it will be a blessing for sure to somebody that needs to hear it. Let's jump in today uh, because with seven things to tell you, I don't want it to take an hour and a half, Um, but I definitely want you to hear all of these things. So these will be seven principles that are from the Bible that will make you, if you'll follow them, they will make you very, very wealthy, which is, by the way, God's desire for his children. Not that we struggle, not that we lack, not that we're impoverished, 
that we are very wealthy to a place of overflow. All right, so let's jump in. Number one, the first biblical principle that we've got to get a hold of that will cause us to build wealth for the kingdom is what I'm calling the debt principle. The debt principle. The majority of our nation is in debt. The majority of the people, I mean, in our nation, the United States of America, are in debt. People, I I could give you the percentages. I don't want this podcast to be about statistics, but massive portions of the population are paycheck to paycheck. And when I say massive portions, I'm talking about there's very few that are not paycheck to paycheck. If they missed one paycheck, their life would go into a tailspin. People are up to their eyeballs in credit card debt, barely making ends meet. People are work. There's people working three jobs. I mean, just it, it's a rough thing to have to look at that and see that people are struggling, but they're not struggling because they have to struggle. They're struggling because they're missing instructions. The Bible's a very interesting book because it's more than just spiritual principles about how to get to heaven. The Bible contains so much instruction about how to live life successfully and never be hurt or broken. And um, I remember thinking to myself, I didn't realize how true the Bible was in that way, like how practically true it was until I was uh, made aware of a situation, one of my friends one time, uh, who really kind of a deadbeat. This person was kind of a deadbeat and, uh, you know, had no credit, no money, no anything. And, uh, somehow conned this girl into getting her father, not his wife, not his fiance, just a girl he knew conned this girl. He knew somehow into getting her father to co-sign a loan for him so that he could buy a certain type of car. And the Bible literally tells us in the book of Proverbs that we should not um, put up our name or that we should not uh, sign for a stranger's debt, basically saying don't co-sign a loan for a stranger's debt. That's actually an instruction (laughs) in the Bible. Well, this guy did it anyway, and um, the, the kid went missing after a while, and guess what happened? Well, that guy that was dumb enough to co-sign that loan for someone he didn't know is now making the payments on that vehicle or is having his credit destroyed because he's not making the payments on someone else's vehicle. So, I mean, think about how practical that is, and that's found in the Bible. Don't co-sign for a stranger's loan, and that's for a stranger's debt. And I mean, that's how practically true the Bible is. So these things that I'm giving you, they are practically true and they will make you wealthy if you'll follow them. And the first one, as I told you, is the debt principle. Debt is not from God. Debt is not from God. Debt is not good. Debt is definitely not good. It's a killer. It actually keeps you in a place where you cannot build wealth for the kingdom. In fact, the debt structure is built in such a way that you never get out of it. I mean, I had the unfortunate opportunity to work for MasterCard for about a year and a half when I was in college as a debt collector. And it's unbelievable what they allow, what the government allows these companies to do to the population. 
I was collecting credit card debt for a company who at the time was allowed to give credit cards to pretty much everybody because I talked to people on the phone. They weren't even old enough to have a credit card. People were taking credit cards out in the names of their pets. I mean, crazy stuff. And the government at the time was allowing these companies to give credit cards to the tune of 29.9% interest, which, by the way, the government has now increased to 31% interest. I mean, think about that, that you could buy something. If you can't pay for it, you're paying 31% interest on that item. That's insane. It's insane. It's robbery. The mafia will give you a better deal than that. I mean, it's it's, it's robbery. It's a straight-up con game. And the Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse 7, now here's the principle. Verse 7 of Proverbs 22, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant or slave, one translation says, to the lender. So when you have to live in debt, when you have to be the borrower, then you also become a slave to the person you're borrowing from. And if 31% interest is not slavery, I don't know what is. I mean, think about that. If you, I mean, you could do the studies on it for yourself, but you know very well that if you just continue to pay your minimum payment on credit cards like that and stuff, you'll never be out of debt ever. You know, they make it sound so amazing. You can buy this, 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 and this and have it now. You know, you don't have to wait until you have the money saved up. You can actually have it. And, um, you know, the same thing with these places like Rent-A-Center. You can buy an Xbox. You know, if you're younger, you listen to me. You can buy an Xbox One from Rent-A-Center. Oh, what a deal. I only have to pay so many dollars a week. It's such a great deal. I could have a an Xbox and only pay, you know, $15 a week or something like that. And then you look at the deal by the end and an Xbox that you could have paid $400 for $300 for now, actually you paid like $800 for it because you did it rent-a-center style. This is a poverty mentality of we've got to have it now and we'll go in debt to have it. We've got to have it now and we'll go in debt to have it. And it's demonic because debt is demonic. The Bible says, just as the rich rule the poor, the borrower is a slave to the lender. And if you're planning and have a desire to build wealth in the kingdom of God and become a person who is wealthy, that's going to be a blessing in your generation, debt is going to keep you from getting there. Every young person that's listening to my podcast, let me encourage you to, and I didn't do this when I was younger, and let me encourage you to take every step you can to stay free from debt. Live debt-free. You know what's better than going out and buying a new car? By the way, cars are one of the worst investments you could ever make in your life. Going out and buying a new car. A new car, you drive it off the lot, it drops instantly. You lose thousands of dollars instantly the moment you drive a new car off the lot. That's why the majority of millionaires in America never, ever buy a new car. Like literally, the majority, I'm talking over 90-some percent of millionaires Multi-multi-millionaires in America never purchase a new car. It's one of the worst investments you can make. You know what's better than doing that and paying all that extra money for a vehicle? Just saving up and buying a vehicle you can afford for cash. And you can do that. 
You know, you know the only thing that, that doesn't allow us to do that, which I'm going to get into in a minute? Pride. Pride. And trust me when I tell you, God wants you to be blessed, and God wants you to have more than enough, and God wants you to have the best. Don't get me wrong when I tell you this. God wants you to have the best. You know the problem is? The problem is that people are not operating at their level of faith. So they look at what someone else has and they see the level of faith someone else is at and they say, that should be me too. I can, I need to have what they have. Well, you don't realize they've built their faith and their life to that place where they can walk in that level of prosperity. If you're not at that level, then don't go, don't go try to live at that level because it puts you in debt just because you see somebody else has something, you know, no matter what it is. Think about somebody that's that's lived faithful to these principles for 20 years or 10 years, and you see them driving around in a Mercedes S550 or S, I don't even know what the new thing is, S600, and, and, and you say, you know what, that's what I need to have. I need to have that. And you go out and go into debt, going into payments that you can't afford to try to drive and look like what someone else looks like, whereas they paid cash for theirs, and now you're doing your very best to get a lease payment together. You know, it's, it's, and it puts people into debt and they become slaves to that debt. And, and, you know, let me tell you something. The majority of America is in that position and they're not building any kind of wealth. They're going paycheck to paycheck, trying to keep their head above water so that they can keep, um, you know, do it, buying things and buying things and buying things. And they go into debt for it. When the Bible clearly says that one of the blessings that's supposed to come upon God's people is that you will lend to many nations and you will not need to borrow. You will lend to many nations and you'll not need to borrow. That's God's desire for you, that you be the lender and not the borrower. Did you ever think about this? What about you building wealth to the point where you're the one that's buying houses and then you're the bank Think about this. Do you ever think about buying a house that's apart from your normal property, buying that house and then selling it to someone else, but you sell it to them and let the, let the people that buy it from you pay you payments. You, you, you're the one that's giving the loan, not a bank, because you, you're blessed to the place where you can be the one that gives the loan to the buyer. And you draw up a contract with a lawyer that says, hey, you can make me monthly payments and here's the interest that's going to be accrued. And you sell that house for $200,000. But by the end of the 30-year mortgage or the 15-year, 20-year, whatever they go and do with you, instead of $200,000 that you actually paid one eighty dollars for that house, not, not, you're not making back 200000 but now at the end of the payment, you're going to make about $432,000 after the interest is accrued. Did you ever think of that? See, people don't think like this. They think, well, I've got to be the one that, why why don't you be the one as the Bible prophesies that we should be, that will be the lender and not the borrower. You're the one that's buying vehicles and then selling them to people and, and giving the loan and saying, you can pay me monthly payments with interest. That's what the Bible said we should be as God's children, not in debt, but we should be the people that are lending to others who do not have. See, and the debt keeps people in bondage. So I'm, you listen to me. If you're a young person listening to this podcast, you could be old and still in debt. Do everything you can to get out of debt and stay out of debt. Don't have credit card debt. It's a killer. 
Don't do it. And here's number two, because this, this leads right into it. Biblical principles that will make you very wealthy. This is number two. Number one, not just staying free from debt, but here's one of the ways to stay free from debt. It's another principle. Number two, the contentment principle. Becoming content with what you have. You, you know why people get into debt? Because they go to try, they try to buy things that they really don't need. You know, I'm not saying that you can't have nice things. I'm not one of those people who's like, why do you have a Rolex? You could have a Timex, tells the same time. That's not, I'm not one of those people, trust me. I have expensive watches. I'm blessed with that kind of stuff. So I'm not telling you, you know, why would you go out and buy, you know, those type of shoes? Why do you need Prada sneakers? You could go out and buy Walmart sneakers. They'll still get you around on the ground. Yes, I understand both things do the same thing. God has no problem with you having nice things. Hear me when I say that. God has zero problem. You know, the, you know, Paul taught that to the church in Rome. He said, God gave us Jesus Christ, his only son. How much more will he not graciously give us all things? You think God was willing to give us Jesus Christ as, to be tortured and killed for our sins? And he, he's worried about if whether or not he'll give you a car or whether or not he'll give you a house or a vacation or what. God doesn't care about a house or a car or vacation. That stuff means nothing to him. He loves you. You're his child. He gave you Jesus, and he's willing to give you all things. So God's got no interest in you know what type of thing. He's willing to give you the best of the best. That's what Isaiah says. Isaiah 119, if you'll be willing and obedient to the Lord, then you'll eat the good of the land. You'll eat the good of the land. But here's the problem. Before people have built to that place of faithfulness and blessing, where their faith has risen to the place where they can operate like that, they try to do it before they've gotten to that level. That is an issue with contentment, that you're not happy with where you are. And you have to do, you have to go out and buy something that's nicer to start to impress people or so that you look like you're more than you are. That's what people do. Listen to what 1 Timothy uh, 6 says. I'm going to read you verses 6 through 10. Paul's writing to a younger minister, Timothy. He says this, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So understand what happens. If you're not in contentment, you can easily slip into greed. And we live in a society that actually pushes that greed principle, you know, that are always doing exposés on like all the nice stuff rich people have and check out this mansion. You go on YouTube, you can go on Netflix and watch uh, documentaries about yachts that are built for superstars and about mansions that are built for superstars and buses, tour buses that are built for superstars and what they buy when they go to the mall and when they shut down Tiffany's. And when they shut down Louis Vuitton and when they shut down Gucci so that them and their entourage can come in and buy whatever they want. And they do all these things and push them in front of our faces. 
nothing wrong with having Louis Vuitton and Gucci and Prada and Fendi and, you know, Tiffany, whatever, whatever you want to have. There's no issue with having it. But people are not content with what they have now. And let me just tell you something. If you're not content with what you have now, let me let me just tell you something. You'll go buy Louis Vuitton and still not be content. You'll buy a Louis Vuitton wallet and you'll be like, you know what? I need the bag. And then you'll buy the purse and then you'll say, you know what? I have the purse, but I need, I also need the duffel. And then you'll buy the duffel and you're like, you know what? I have that, but I really need the suitcase. I need the full set of luggage. Then you'll buy the full set of luggage and say, you know what? That's not enough. I need to get my car seats covered in Louis Vuitton. I want to have somebody come in and do my car and reupholster it with all Louis Vuitton leather. It's never enough for people that don't have contentment. There's nothing wrong with having Louis Vuitton. I have Louis Vuitton stuff. It's it's not about the thing or how nice the thing is. It's about the fact that people can't be content with what they have. And there's a there's a dangerous trap. That's where the verse of scripture comes from. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You understand that? They're trapped. People are trapped by foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. They long to be rich. There's people that just sit around longing to be rich, wishing they were rich, doing anything they can do to get more money because they want more stuff because they're not content. You know, you can only wear so many pairs of shoes at one time. Let me just say this to you. You can only wear so many pairs of shoes at one time. You can only you can only carry one person at a time unless you want to look like a mental patient. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with the overflow. Uh, again, I'm straddling the line here because I'm telling you, I'm, I live in the overflow. I, if you're, God wants you to live in the overflow. But the thing is, if you're not content, I remember recently I was at a meeting and I got it. You know, when I get into something, like I really get into it. Like I, I haven't, like, seems like I have an addictive personality. If I like something, I really like it and I go for it. And I got into the sneaker thing for a while where I like, I was like loving sneakers and I was going through retro Jordans and buying buying pairs of Jordans and stuff. And like within a year and a half of getting into it, I had like 14 pairs of retro Jordans in boxes, mint condition in my closet that I'd pull out randomly and wear once, you know, in a long run and then clean them with shoe cleaner, and put them back in the box and put them up on the shelf. And I was sitting in a meeting, like a revival meeting. And I was sitting on the front row and they were taking a, an offering and it was like, it was like a sacrificial offering. And as I was sitting there, I heard the Lord literally heard the Lord say to me, no question. I heard him in my spirit. He goes, what are you doing with all those shoes in your closet? And I said, yeah, man, I'm, you know, I'm saying I'm blessed. My God, I'm, I got, I got the blessing of overflow. And the Lord directed that, that scripture, um, to my spirit from the parable in the new Testament where the one who was rich, who was hoarding up to keep for himself, he said this to me. He said, what are you going to do? You're going to tear down your barns and build bigger barns? Like when that hit me, when the Lord said that to me about that scripture, about the rich man who was just hoarding up for himself, I'll tell you, know, when our barns are full, we'll tear our barns down and build bigger barns to hoard up more for ourselves. The Lord actually, like it was almost like a slap in my spirit. And I know everything's a test. God always wants to know if he's going to bless you with things that things never have you. Contentment principle. And God said to me, what are you going to do with all those, all those Jordans, all those shoes sitting in your closet? He said, you're going to tear down your barns and build bigger barns? And then like as soon as I heard that, I knew. 
that the Lord wanted me to, to make those a seed, to sew those shoes. So I called my friend back here at the church because I was coming home from the revival for the midweek to preach the service for my pastor. And I called, I called my friend and said, listen, I want you to get every young man in the church that you know that wears size 12 sneakers. And I want you to get them to meet me on Wednesday night. And when I came back from that revival, I went into my closet and I pulled out every one of those mint condition pair of retro Jordans, all 14 pairs. I think I only left one pair in the closet. I did, only one pair. I brought 13 pairs of brand new Jordans. retro, And they're not like just like, you know, regular. I'm talking about like um, rare pairs that you have to buy like when they drop and stuff. And I went in there and I said, line them up. They came in not, not knowing what I was going to do. They thought I wanted to like talk to them or something. And there on the, uh, on the desk was like <laughs> boxes and boxes of Air Jordans stacked up. And I said, go ahead, guys, and take the boxes. Pick whichever pairs you like and take them with you. And their eyes got like wide. I actually had a guy stop me in the parking lot. He's like, why are you doing this? You know, like, like they were stolen or something. I was like, I'm, I'm just want to bless you. And I realized, you know, you can get to a place where you're never content, where you're never happy with what you have. You always have to have more, you know, and it can get ridiculous. God's got no issue with you having nice things. It's the issue of do nice things have you like they did with the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. And if you don't learn contentment, then your money will always be wasted on buying more and more and more and more. That's what will always happen is that you'll always just want the next thing, the new thing, you know, and, and all that's happening is, is that your money keeps going out the door. You're never building wealth. You're trapped because of your desire for more. And so, uh, the debt principle and the content, the contentment principle go hand in hand because that's why many people in America are poor. It's because they want more and more and more and more, and they keep going out and buying, buying, buying. Even when they don't have the money to buy, they charge it, they charge it, they charge it, and they don't have contentment, and so they're in debt, and they're a slave to the lender, and they're paying 30%, 31% on a pair of sneakers or on a, you know, on, on Gucci sunglasses or a Prada bag or, you know, whatever, and it's ridiculous. It's just a thing. I want you to think about that for a second. It's just a thing. You know, there are things you can buy where it does matter, like quality does matter. You know, no question it does. You know, like, I've, for example, I've had a wallet because you can buy things that are produced at a much better level, much more quality level. You know, my wife bought me a Louis Vuitton wallet when we got married. Well, that was like 15 years ago. It's still in great condition, like great condition, still intact. You know, never had any issues with it. It's it's well made, and you pay money for that. And yes, I understand it's better. <clears throat> but understand, it's just a piece of leather, just like any other piece of leather that you could buy. You know, shoes, yes, you can get ones that are manufactured better. There are things that are better quality, but at some point, it's just another thing. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, you've got a Louis Vuitton belt holding up your pants. Great. You know, it's like... I, it just blows my mind. People like are all freaked out about like, oh, what, what, who makes that? Oh, who makes? Oh, what is that? Who makes that? Like, who makes that watch? It's like it's 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 just a thing. You know, you've got to lose your love for things if you want to build wealth for the kingdom of God and see God be first in your life. You got to lose your love for things. I can't. 
it, it cracks me up to be around people that are enamored with things. It's like they're always asking, who makes that? Who, who, where'd you get that? Who is that? Is that new? Where'd you get that? Let me see that. Is that new? Let me try it on. Is it, what is that? It's like, just chill out. It's a thing. It's another thing. Stop being in love with things. Be content with what you have. You can only wear so many pairs of sh- shoes. You know, it's like one pair of shoes is all you can put on at a time. One bag is all you can carry at a time. You know, where people are doing everything they do to, to, to hoard up more. The real blessing isn't being able to give to other people. That's where the that's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. That's the words of Jesus. We'll get to that. Let's go to number three, the third principle that'll make you very wealthy. So number one, getting out of debt and staying out of debt. Number two, learning to be content with what you have. Not always having to have the next new thing and, and your money flies out the window because you're not content with what you have. It always makes me laugh. Golfers that can't even play golf every year have a brand new set of clubs. <laughs> I, I see it all the time. I play golf with guys every year. You know, they can't even shoot under 100 on the golf course. But every year they've got the brand new set of Titleist, Callaway, TaylorMade, brand new driver. Got just picked up this new driver. Uh, that, you know, that I, I went up, they told me it's going to give me another at least two, three yards on my drive. You can't hit a drive that doesn't land in the woods. So what does it matter if you hit two, three? It's like, have to have it every year. Got to have it. Not content with last year's. It's, just let me tell you, it's ridiculous. Be content with what you have. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because God doesn't want you to have nice things. He does. But like, it, there's a difference between the blessing of the Lord and you doing everything you can, scratching to get to get something that you don't have. It becomes an idol. Number three, the priority principle. The priority principle. And this this also leads into where, where we just left off. The priority. You know, people that are wise, that truly build wealth, they prioritize where their money's going to go. They prioritize where their money's going to go. And they make a plan, which which I'll get into as well, they prioritize where their money's going to go. So I I can't tell you how much I've seen this. You know, it blows my mind. <clears throat> People that are still in credit card debt that will get their tax returns back and they like freak out. $1,600 came back on the tax return. Man, we're about to party. You know, I've seen people do this. You know, $1,600, and you know it's funny. You come to church, like, after uh, tax day, everybody comes in with, like, new shoes, new sunglasses, and it's like, oh, somebody got their tax return. You know, it, it's it's insane. They don't prioritize. So you're going to tell me, you're sitting there, you've got $3,000 of credit card debt, and you've got $1,600 that just came back on your tax return. And because people don't live by the priority principle, instead of putting a ton of money and taking a ton chunk out of their credit card debt, they'd rather go out and buy like a pair of Gucci sunglasses, some new Jordans, some new pumps, whatever, you know, literally so that you can what impress somebody with it. Meanwhile, you're still in the same amount of debt that you were before. You're not any closer to getting out of debt or building wealth. And this is important. Let me tell you something. It's very important that you become wealthy. It's very important because God wants you to be a blessing to the kingdom and to this earth. You can't be blessed if you're broke. You cannot be blessed if you're broke. So you got to prioritize. This is what the Bible says in Proverbs 21.20. Check this out. 
This is principle number three, the priority principle. Proverbs 21.20, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. You see that? The wise, that's Proverbs 21.20, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So let's break that verse down really quick. What does that mean? Fools spend whatever they get, so that means that wise people do not spend whatever they get. Wise people are not quickly parted from their money. Wise people are not quickly parted from their money. It's fools that spend whatever they get. So what do wise people do? They prioritize. They do their best to quickly get out of debt. I mean, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, but if you own a home, how about print out your amortization schedule and take a look? You know, because anytime you you have, if you have a house and you have a loan on a house, you know as well as I do, the bank wants their money first. So that means your payments, all of your payments are interest heavy at the beginning until the end when all the rest is going to the principal. After the bank has got their money, now you're actually paying your debt down. So, you know, do, do something like an easy trick, which I'm sure you guys know. Print out that schedule and look at whatever the principal on your upcoming month is and add that small amount to your payment. Do you know? You'll cut a massive chunk out of the years of your loan just by adding next month's principal to this month's payment. You know, think about that. Think about that. Just something as easy as that, rather than going out and spending, you know, $150 every month on clothes that you're only going to wear a few times, take that $150, add it to your house payment, and cut a decade off of your loan. Just by doing something as simple as that, priority principle, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. These are biblical principles, by the way. This is not something from Barnes & Noble that some guy thought up. This is God telling his people how to be wealthy. But people don't want to do it because everybody knows what they should do, but very few people actually discipline themselves to do it. So number three, the priority principle. Number four, the planning principle. The planning principle. Let me read this to you. Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30. Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. And they'd say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Planning. I'm not talking about coming up with a plan and dictating it to God and saying, hey, God, here's my plan. Now get on it. No, we understand as believers that we're led by the Holy Ghost. So obviously we want to hear the Holy Spirit's plan for our life. But if you don't have any, you know, if you've got no desire to operate by a plan and I'm talking about get a plan in prayer from the Holy Ghost, you're always going to struggle. Isaiah 55 Verses 8 and 9 says, God's speaking to his people, my ways are higher than your ways. No, first he says, your ways, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. But as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's trying to get across to us that we could make the greatest plan we could ever come up with, but his plan will still be better. That's why my one of the number one things I pray is, Lord, interrupt my plans and institute your plans. 
because my wisdom is finite. Your wisdom is infinite. And I want your wisdom. I want the mind of Christ. I want your plans over my life. So I'm not saying come up with a plan that's man-made. I'm telling you pray and fast and get a plan from the Holy Ghost. Get a vision for your life from the Holy Spirit and then follow that plan. Do you know God's got a plan for you to be wealthy? The Bible says in Isaiah 48, 17, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way that you should go. So there's ways you could go and then there's a way you should go. And when you go the way you should go, which is the leading of the Lord, he teaches you to profit, meaning he brings you into increase and overflow. So get a plan and adhere to the plan. You know, I'm amazed. Like, I'm literally amazed at at preachers who want to preach blessing and prosperity and mock, you know, they make fun of and mock a budget as if, you know, as if God's not in a budget. You shouldn't have to budget so you can, you'll be in the overflow. Let me tell you something. Nobody will be in the overflow because people that budget can't even afford to pay tithes because they don't even know where their money's going. That's how dumb a lot of people get. They get to the place where, and again, this is no one listening to this podcast because obviously you have it all together or else you wouldn't be listening to the podcast. But understand this. This is what happens, you know, to many people is that, you know, well, budget, who needs a budget? I'll be in the overflow. I'll be walking. I won't even have to think about it. And the people that think like that are never walking in the overflow. You know, they're never because people like that, you know, you're, if you don't, if you don't take control and set some things in place, you'll not have money to pay your tithes as many people don't as evidenced by the way, by looking across America at the percentage of people that are Christians that do not even tithe that don't even tithe. Many of them don't even have the money to tithe. Do you know what I mean? mean People have written into me and my wife and told us, well, I don't know how how I'm supposed to tithe. I need the full amount of my money just to get everything. You know, the reason you need the the 100% is because you don't tithe. I would rather, and I told you this isn't going to be about tithing, but I'm just making a point in the planning with budgeting and and keeping yourself in a place where you know what the plan is and you're going to adhere to it so you can walk in the overflow. If you honestly think, that when you read the Bible, that God's not into planning and that, you know, God's into like some, some kind of, you know, free for all increase movement that takes no thought of, of planning. You don't know God. Ask Noah about how into planning God is. It like makes, makes me laugh. People mocking planning and mocking budgeting. Meanwhile, <laughs> whatever, let me, let, let me just move on. Understand God has a plan to bless you and the plan has to be followed strategically. God will give you strategic steps to bring you into the overflow. And if you don't, if you don't tell yourself by a written plan, write the vision, make it plain upon tablets that they may run that read it. That's God saying, make the plan plain so that people don't get screwed up and ended up failing because they didn't know what the plan was, didn't know what the vision was. God operates by vision. Where there is no vision, people perish. But where there is vision, people flourish. I added that part because it's the opposite of the scripture. The scripture says where there's no vision, people perish, which means logically where there is vision, people flourish. God has a vision for your life. He has a plan for your life. The planning principle, you've got to have a plan. 
What are you going to do when your finances come in? You know, you know the reason some people cannot be blessed? They have no idea what they would do with the blessing when it came to them. No idea. They have no vision. So why would God? Provision is something that comes after vision. Provision. It comes after vision. You got to have the vision before you can have the provision. What are you going to do with it when it comes? Planning principle. Number five is the temple principle. Now, I've talked about this in in regards to your body. That's not the one I'm talking about here. I'm talking about God's house. And this is one of the reasons many people never build wealth, become very wealthy. Listen to God's rebuke to the people in the Old Testament in Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. This will blow your mind, but this is still true today. Verse 3, then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Look at what's happening to you. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Listen to this. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I'll take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. When you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses, it's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all the other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. So you see the principle here, the temple principle, God has to always be first. If you want to build wealth and become very, very wealthy, remember this, the temple principle, number five, God must always be first. Always. His house must be first. You know, why would God, let me, let me just ask you a question. Why would God bless you with a boat if he knew that now that he's given you a boat, every Sunday, instead of being in church, you're going to be with you and your family out on the lake in your boat that he gave you. You think he's going to bless you with something that's going to take you further from his house? Honestly, do you think God's going to take you away from his house by blessing you with something that he knows is going to separate you from him? No. And that's what this scripture is all about, is that people have dishonored God's house. And as a result, he's saying, I'm going to, I'm going to dishonor your house. Because you have have run from being a blessing to my house, I'll make sure that your house is not blessed. And so the opposite is true. When you make sure God's house is first, let me tell you, my wife and I have done our very, very best to ensure that God's house will always be blessed. You've heard me talk about this principle before. You've you've heard me talk about the fact that, you know, I would never buy something for myself if I'd never given given something in an offering that was at that level. I'd never buy anything for my wife or my kids if I'd never done anything in an offering that was at that level. You know, I'll never, you know, you think about something very basic. Can you imagine going out and buying a pair of $500 shoes if you'd never given $500 in an offering, going out and buying a 
a, a $10,000 watch if I'd never given $10,000 in an offering. And I believe in that principle. That is the God first principle that I will always do more for him than I do for me. And he'll make sure that all those other things just come to me. That's what the Bible says. Seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And that's exactly what's happened in my life, in my wife's life, is that people just seek us out and bless us, not because of who we are, but because of what we've done for God's house. And I'm telling you, I made up my mind. I'm going to give more to God's house in a year than the upper echelon of people in America make in a year as, as an income. And we, we're doing it. We're already doing it. Carol and I, I dance around my house thanking God for the opportunity to be able to give away more than most people make in a year. And I'm going to continue to increase that. I will put God's house first, and that's got to be your that's got to be your desire and your declaration as well. I'm going to make God's house first. And it's not cliche to say that what you make happen for God's house, God will make happen for your house. That's a biblical principle that we can find in Haggai uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, the temple principle. You've got to put God first if you want to see yourself and your family become very, very wealthy. Number six is the generosity principle. You've got to be a generous person to others. And and understand, by the way, it's part of your Abrahamic covenant to be that way. So generous, a generous spirit. This is your Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 12, 2. This was said to Abraham, but then given to you through Christ. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. You can go on and read verse 3 of Genesis 12. I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. That's God's promise to his people through Abraham. And that's why Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29 says, uh, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what God promised Abraham has now come upon us because of Jesus Christ. And that's the generosity principle. I am blessed. That's how it became that cliche that people always say. God bless you. Blessed to be a blessing, brother. I'm blessed to be a blessing. That's that's not a cliche. That's actually part of your Abrahamic covenant. You are blessed by God and you will be a blessing to other people. I'm not, listen to me. You're, people think prosperity is God sending people to bless you. That's not what prosperity is. Prosperity is God is sending you to bless other people. God is sending you to bless other people. I'm not looking for people to pay for my meals. I'm looking to pay for other people's meals. I'm not looking for people to bless my children and have my children get fed because people gave us money. I'm feeding hundreds of children overseas every single day because of prosperity, I'm because I'm blessed. That's what the true Abrahamic covenant does. It's not, I'm, I'm hoping people meet my needs. It's I'm meeting other people's needs. And that's, that's going to be your story as well. That's going to be your story as well. You know, you're not just going to provide Christmas for your children. You're going to provide Christmas for other people's children. You'll not just provide Thanksgiving for your family. You'll provide Thanksgiving for other families. You'll not just feed your kids. You'll feed other people's kids. You'll not just pay your bills. You'll pay other people's bills. 
You'll not just buy your groceries, you'll buy other people's groceries because you will be a blessing. And when you understand that generosity is a key, I am blessed to be a blessing. When God sees that he can make you a conduit to carry his blessing, that you're not just, you know, uh, you're a river, not a lake. Let's just put it that way. You're a river, not a lake. That's why lakes uh, can have all that stuff building up on the top of the water that looks nasty. You know why? Because it's a place where the, the movement of the water ends. Everything flows into it and it stays there. So it can get murky. It can get nasty looking. But when you're a moving body of water, that stuff can't stay on the surface of you. You, you can't get nasty and murky. When you're a rushing river, you're carrying that water to somewhere else. And that's what we're called to be. Rushing rivers of blessing, not lakes where the blessing ends. You know, it ends with me and it never goes anywhere else. No, it comes to me and goes through me. It comes to me and goes through me. And finally, number seven, the seventh principle is what I call the inheritance principle. The inheritance principle is understanding that God is not just making you a blessing to others, but he's using you to make your family a dynasty, literally. I want you to think about this. He's using you to make your family a dynasty, to build wealth that your children and your children's children will never know lack, never know poverty, ever. Listen to Proverbs 13, 21 and 22. Trouble chases sinners while blessings reward the righteous. Good people leave an inheritance. That word good in other translations is godly. Godly people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren or once you're the children's children. But the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. So understand that this is the story of people who understand the inheritance principle. The godly, they will leave an inheritance to their, not just their children, catch that, to their children's children. And the wealth of the wicked will be laid up for the just. So I'll not just have my own inheritance that I'll pass on, but wicked people's money will come into my hands and also go into my, into the hands of my children and my children's children. That's the inheritance principle. Understanding that there's a blessing that comes upon you so that your children's children will walk in, in, the, in, in inheritance and, and prosperity and blessing. My children will not have to wear hand-me-downs. They'll not have to wear patches in their clothes because we can't afford it. They're not, they're not, let me tell you, I get serious about this because, you know, it's not right that the wicked should walk in blessing that the, that the righteous cannot walk in. And you, it should make you angry as well. You're blessed so that your children can be blessed and understand the power of God. This is one of the main reasons. Understand this. This is one of the main reasons for building wealth. If kids have to grow up in the kingdom hearing, well, you know, we go without because we're righteous. What a sour taste that puts into the mouth of children. Well, we can't have Nikes like your friends have because, you know, we serve the Lord and we live, we live humble lives. You know, we don't need that kind of stuff. You know, a kid doesn't understand anything about that. All he understands is, yeah, my kid, my my friends don't even go to church, and they have nicer stuff than we do. My friends don't even go to church. They all wear Nikes, and I have to wear these shoes that look like Nikes but are some generic brand that nobody knows, and I get made fun of at school. You know, your kids want to eat. Your kids want to eat Lucky Charms. 
not some off-brand. They want to eat Fruit Loops, not Fruity O's, Fruity Rings that are found like underneath. They're not even in a box. They're just in like a clear plastic bag with some generic name on them. <laughs> Amen. Your your kids want to eat cheer, Honey Nut Cheerios, not Toastios. You know, instead of like a, a bee flying around the cereal, it's like, you know, it's like a t- tiny dragonfly on crack. That that's that's not what your story is supposed to be. Your children are supposed to eat the good of the land. You're supposed to leave an inheritance. Part of what the re- understand this, and this is a big one. Part of the reason that I'm supposed to be blessed. Part of the reason that I'm building wealth in the kingdom of God and making these choices according to the word is so that my children can understand that the value of godliness is not just in the life to come, but right now. It pays to serve the Lord. It pays to obey the Bible. It pays to obey the scripture. And it doesn't just pay in the life to come. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4.8 that... uh, Godliness is profitable unto all things. Physical exercise profits only a little, Paul told Timothy. But godliness is profitable in all things. Holding, or or, let me just say it in the way the New Living says it, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So it's not just promising benefits in heaven, but in this life, you'll be blessed. The Bible says that God will not withhold any good thing from people who walk uprightly, Psalm 84, 11. Job 36, 11, the Bible says, if they will only obey and serve me, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. God wants you to overflow financially and to have more than enough at all times, at all times. And part of it is so that you can live by the inheritance principle, understanding that your children and grandchildren should have blessing that flows out of you into them. And I hope these seven things shake your mind up to understand. You're not supposed to look like the rest of America, the rest of the world. You know, it always makes me laugh. It always makes me laugh because when I start talking about the fact that God wants people wealthy, You know, people, it never fails. I'm sure people will write me from this podcast. Well, is that really true, brother? Then how come you're telling me that people are less godly in in other countries? Because what about all these Christians in third world countries that are not wealthy? And you have to get to the understanding. Either the Bible is true or it's not true. And am I going to judge what the Bible says based on whether or not people have what the Bible says? Like that's, that's like one of the dumbest things you could do is to literally create your theology around someone else's tragedy or your tragedy. Well, there's poor people all over the world. Are you telling me they're not godly? I'm telling you what the Bible says. And the fact of the fact of whether someone has it or doesn't have it has nothing to do with the truth of God's word. You know, I, you could say the same thing for anything. You know, I could, I could do a whole podcast on seven reasons. Jesus wants you free from sin. And shed his blood so you could be free from sin. There'll be. Are you going to have people write in and say, "Well, brother, there's people living in sin all over the world." Are you telling me that God wants them in holiness? Yes, I am. But just because they don't have holiness in their life doesn't mean he's not a savior. Just because there are sick people doesn't mean he's not a healer. And just because there's poor people doesn't mean he's not a provider. Let me tell you something. 
What are you trying to tell me? That in third world nations, there's not rich people? You tell me if I go to India, I won't find millionaires? Are you tell me if I go to Africa, I won't find millionaires in all those African nations? Of course there are millionaires in African nations. Of course there's millionaires and billionaires in India and Asia. And of course there's millionaires and billionaires in Saudi Arabia and in those nations. Let me tell you something. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Every nation has wealthy people in them. My question to you is, why do those people have to only be the wicked ones? God has a plan to bring wealth to his people in those nations without having to do it the crooked way, without having to cheat people out of their money. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow unto it. God has a plan to bless you. And I want to pray for every one of you today that these seven things would come alive in your life and that you would begin to build serious wealth for the kingdom and become the lender and not the borrower. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd set them on fire with these seven principles and and put a burning desire in their belly to become those that are wealthy for the purpose of the kingdom, to build the kingdom, not to fall in love with money, but to build the kingdom and be a blessing in this final generation of time. And Father, I pray that a new generosity would come upon God's people like never before, that you would make us an asset, not a liability in this generation. Raise us head and shoulders above the rest in Jesus' name so that we could show the love of God practically, that we could bless people, not just talk about how God is good, but show people that God is good in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys so much. Listen, I want to encourage you. If you're not partnering with us, standing with us, one of the reasons God wants you to be wealthy is to do exactly what I'm talking about. Carolyn and I are taking the gospel all over the world, and this year, doing more than ever before, by now stepping out into 120-plus million homes with the gospel of Jesus Christ on four continents. And you can be a part of that. You know, we recently had somebody write in and said, we felt, my husband and I, my husband and I felt, to cover one of those television stations personally on a monthly basis with thousands of dollars. That's, let me tell you, that's what it means to stand up and be a blessing in your generation. And and I'm telling you, God's going to anoint you in the same way. So I want to encourage you to stand with us in partnership. I don't usually ever make this kind of a push on the podcast, but I'm asking you today because I feel to. Those of you that are listening, I want to encourage you to go to miracleword.com, click on the partner link, and to set up some sort of a partnership with us. Whatever it is the Lord's leading you to do, pray about it. Some people are doing it at $85 a month. Others, $500 a month. Others, $200, $100. Do whatever the Lord tells you, and God will bless you. But this is one of the reasons to be blessed, so that you can make an impact with the gospel before time runs out. I love you guys so much. Thanks for listening again today. Again, share it with somebody. I'll be back with you again next week. Don't forget, until next time, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.